Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So hello there and welcome to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast, the show where we take all of the latest news, gossip and events in the world of Formula One and we relay that back to you for your listening or viewing pleasure, depending of course on which platform you choose to follow us on. And after so much anticipation from the F1 summer break left us for so long without an F1 race, we finally come to Spa Frag and Shots, hoping for some exhilarating action in, and seeing our favourite teams and drivers give us one hell of a race. And in the end, it was an absolute washout. Of course, the provisional result, as I understand, is that Max Verstappen does get the win based on his qualifying performance. And of course, an incredible podium as well for George Russell and another podium for Lewis Hamilton. As I said, provisional result, because there's a few little things I think we do need to talk about that may come to light in the next day or so after everyone has tried to absorb what the hell happened today. And uh, and obviously joining me on this episode to help go through some of that and a few other things as well and try to make somewhat of a podcast out of this because there isn't too much action to talk about. But nonetheless, my guest today is uh, Stephen Feely from Stephen Feely TV. Stephen, thanks for joining us on the podcast once again. Welcome back. And uh, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well, mate. Uh, uh, I'm pretty... Mm. Uh, did a four-hour watch along to of uh, doing quizzes, looking back at clips from uh, previous times on my streams. Having having also famous guests on as well. I don't know if you mentioned about Lee Gunner and that, but yeah, having them on at times. And apart from that, uh, and after that, the race. Uh, it was just trying to make trying to make the time go while the, while, the, while the race was deciding not to be run. So. Well, I didn't know Lee Gunner was much of a Formula One fan, uh, but although to be no, fair, we were just showing our, we were showing oh, I see, right, <laughs> right. No, that's fair. I mean, given the state of Arsenal Football Club at the moment, as you and I will both know that there's not a lot to be cheerful about at the moment. So no. Formula One is kind of a nice escape for us, but uh, yeah, um, an absolutely crazy race. I don't think either of us could have predicted 
what was about to unfold. I don't think any of us have seen anything quite like it. I know we've had races in the past affected by rain, even to the degree where the races had to have been stopped early and half points have been awarded, particularly I Malaysia. Last, yeah, yeah, last time was Malaysia in 2009. That's right. And, um, you know, that was the last one on memory. We saw Jensen Button winning half points back then. And, of course, uh, we saw something on even more drastic measures today. And, I mean... <sighs> How can we sum up what we've seen today? Because I wouldn't want to say it's a bit of a procession, but ultimately this, the cliche of, you know, you don't score points on a Saturday, they're awarded on the Sunday, has gone completely out of the window after what we saw today. Well, yeah, I mean, it raises a question. Did it, was it, did it actually deserve the points that they get? Because they've done two laps on the safety car, so they can award points. Some people could say, okay, you've got the Dutch Grand Prix in a week. We can do it on a Monday and you'll still be there by the Dutch Grand Prix on a Thursday. Um, so there's other sort of questions you could follow up about it. But the part of it for me is like, I get um, I get that obviously Max Verstappen wins and he cuts Hamilton's down championship by five points. But what's he done in the race to deserve to get those points? He hasn't done anything. The same with Hamilton, and he hasn't done anything to deserve the points he gets. I mean, obviously George Russell deserves the podium, like just by getting it on the on second place with a Williams. So, but I get like you can award him with a win, but giving him points as a reward, I don't see where they've earned the right to to get that. If so, why not give half points during a qualifying session and give the other half during a race? Well, this is the argument I saw a lot of people on social media sort of express their discontent for what had happened. I mean, Lewis Hamilton pointed out in his post-race press conference just before the podium that, you know, you can't blame anyone for the weather. And, you know, it was an impossible situation that everyone found themselves in. We obviously wanted a race to go ahead. Everyone was ready to go. Perhaps there may have been one or two rather minute windows where they could have had some racing for a small amount of time. But in the end... Safety is paramount. And of course, we're going to get into something related to uh, safety in Formula One after what we saw this weekend anyway. But um, it, it, as you said, it, you know, it did raise a lot of concerns owing to um, the situation in the championship. Obviously, how that's been affected. Should drivers be awarded points for doing what was effectively a two lap race behind the safety car where the only way drivers were going to drop points or fall out of position as if they'd made a mistake and gone off the road, by which Sergio Perez had actually done before the race even started. And that brought up another debate. There there were so many different things that came up today that confused a lot of the F1 fans. And I think you could argue to a degree that the stewards almost made the race up as they were going along. Yeah, I think there's like a load of parts. uh, Because this happens very rarely. There's no rules to sort of say that, like, oh, Perez is stuck in a wall. Because usually if you think Perez is stuck in a wall on the way to the grid, that's it, done. That You don't get a race start. Um, I was actually quite surprised, to be fair, when Max Verstappen did it uh, in Hungary last year. They, they were very quick to get that car out of it. But then he was been able to get it out of the barrier. So uh, that's probably one advantage. But that's another story. But I feel with... What they were trying to, what obviously presented to themselves is that there's a lot of loopholes into parts of the rule book that don't usually be needed because this hardly happens. So 
with that, with like certain situations like we had with today, no one's got rules for that because it hardly happens. So they might need to go back and look back through this race and say, okay, from, it's like when we had a six-hour race with Canada in 2011 and it took so long to get that race restarted and they decided that's it, you get a four-hour window and this is why now after a four-hour window we couldn't do any more racing. So it's, it's throwing up different, different scenarios that they haven't faced before and they haven't got no rules to cover it. Mm. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. And I think uh, that kind of leads me to my first major question on this one, Stephen, is do you feel that because they proceeded with uh, what, what was effectively a couple of laps behind the safety car, which translated to being a formation lap and then officially the first lap of the race, did the stewards put themselves into a corner where by doing that and not delaying the start of the race altogether because of the weather, which we all anticipated they would do, they put themselves in a position where they prevented themselves from having the opportunity to perhaps reschedule this race tomorrow and actually try and run a race because the race clock was three hours long and it started running effectively from the point where they completed that first lap, which, as I understand, means that they have to finish the race within the three hours, of course. Well, yeah, I mean, from, well, from what I heard was that the, the, the race clock was stopped um, after the first initial laps from the formation lap. Because usually they would pull off and that was it. The race starts there. But from what I heard when it came to the pit lane, that the race clock was stopped. But because, like, we've gone three hours into the race, there was only an hour, they only had an hour's worth of track time before... The, the circuit had to be closed because it was getting 7 p.m. and it was getting dark, uh, as well as like the, the, the mist and the rain hanging in the air. It, it looked pretty much like it was getting dark already. So it was, I think it was more the track of the, how much track time they were allowed back, uh, allowed at Spa anymore, rather than actually the clock running down. Um, that's from what I got. But yeah, I mean, it, when they restarted it for two laps, well, what was the point? You might as well just didn't. For me, it was like, well, ask the teams and drivers if you can all make do the race tomorrow, make it for the uh, Dutch Grand Prix in a week's time. If they can do that, do it tomorrow. It's just, I think a lot of fans would have been happy if it just said, right, this ain't going to happen. Right, the rain keeps coming. We're not going to do this. Um, and I think they could have decided like, a lot, probably a lot earlier than they did, and say we'll try SMR or something, um, because I think probably the conditions were looking a little bit better tomorrow. So yeah, uh, I just think F1's been caught out here, and in the end, they've done the best decision for safety, but in terms of the fans, it's not also the best decision because. They didn't get the fans the race that they could have had if they probably decided to do it on another day. Yeah. I mean, Spa Fragonshaw historically is a track that on the best of days, weather wise, it's always a tough challenge. When it rains, especially in the manner that it did, it's it's battling impossible when it becomes a severe mm-hmm. safety risk. Um I, I suppose that brings me nicely around to the next question, really, because you've mentioned obviously about the possibility of having the race on the Monday. And of course, a few um, team bosses obviously gave their perspective, all of which, from what I understood during the Sky F1 broadcast, I think Gunther Steiner kind of mentioned this as well, that 
it would be nigh on impossible or it'd be a massive inconvenience for them to have the race on Monday and then wrap everything else up and then go to Zandvoort, albeit, you know, the most local racetrack um, of its kind for F1 that you could possibly want to go to after a race at Belgium. But it still created a lot of logistical challenges, which wouldn't guarantee that they'd be running at the race next weekend without any major concerns, which of course would be a lot, lot worse. Um, So does this mean that F1 are starting to realise perhaps for the first time that this desire, this need to get as many races into the season as possible and for future Mm -hmm. seasons, they may be reaching a stumbling block now where perhaps they need to sit down and think, actually, maybe 22 or 23 races or even 25 races that was mooted at one point that they wanted to achieve is too much. Maybe we need to try and consider cutting it back a little bit to not necessarily just, um, you know, give our... Uh, give our teams and drivers more opportunities to perhaps have a race on Monday if we ever have something like this again, Um, but also to give them that necessary rest and resuscitation and also allow the teams to deal with any issues issues logistically uh, that may arise Mm. in the future, especially in a COVID world that we're living in the moment where more problems for logistics have been surfacing. Well, this is what I I had the problem originally, uh, um, uh, originally when I came out with it. When I came out, it said, we want to achieve 25 races. I looked at it and I'm like, like, well, hang on. You want 25 races and you want it to be, as they put it, like NASCAR, in a, in a sense, where you have all these races. The, problem, the, the thing with NASCAR is it's in one continent. It's in one country. Formula One is a global sport. It goes, it's the only one of, it's pretty much the most pinnacle of its kind that goes to like every single country from every single continent, if possible. So if that's the case then, and they're going for so many continents and so many countries, how is it possible you're going to be asking them to be able to do a race here, like say Singapore one week and then go to Japan the next week. uh, And then, for maybe Japan and then fly even fly in two weeks, that's still challenging itself from Japan all the way to America. So it's it's yeah, they, they, they could bat themselves into a corner where they're so pressured to get races like this that again they might have to say, like, we, we, we're gonna have to like cancel the race because we can't get it done. So whether to be fair, though, to them is that when I've always looked at Kando at Spa, the next race that follows Spa after a three-week break has always been a week after because they've had a three-week break. So I would have still probably think if we had a 20-race calendar, we would probably be still doing a race next week anyway. So, But it does beg the question that they are so pressured to get so many races in. And I get why, because it's it makes... It makes more revenue for the teams. It makes more uh, awareness, sponsorship, increases the brand and everything like that. But in the end, like it's getting to a point that they're just going to say, well, I'm sorry, we can have, say, a, a certain number of races that shouldn't be removed from the calendar. We know that. But a certain number of races where you say, all right, you can have it one year, uh, but then this country gets to have it another year and so forth if you want so many countries to have their own Grand Prix. Hmm. 
Yeah, no, that's a fair point. I mean, I, like you and most F1 fans, you know, we want to see our favourite F1 teams and drivers racing. Oh, we want to see all it the all the time. We want yeah. to see it all the time. We don't ever want to break. But unfortunately, these things have got to break and they've got to have a break to redesign a new car for a new year and everything. So Absolutely, yeah, of course. I mean, you and I, uh, in a way, are used to growing up in an F1 world where we were used to seeing 16, 17 races a season, kind of similar to what we got last year, although it was spread out evenly usually on a fortnightly basis you very rarely get two races in two weeks especially triple headers you never saw triple headers in formula one back then i mean you never uh, yeah i mean like i mean i some of the some of the people come on my watch rooms now and uh there's one that uh is literally she's only just started starting out watching f1 and like I'll tell you, it's like you don't get these many races back then, not at all. Um, which is why when you see like Hamilton break ninety-two race wins or someone breaks over three hundred Grand Prix starts, it's like well, it's a bit flawed because they get so many races now. Where there's other races back in the past didn't get that many races. But at one time, uh, I mean, the first don't forget the first championship had about I think it was like eight races in it. Probably not so even that it, much, yeah. Yeah, so it's it is rapidly growing and fair play, and that that's why it's the pinnacle of your sport. But it gets to a point you just need to the teams need to, to sort of time out at, at times and get them give them a chance to recuperate. There was some, I mean I remember one time is that even 2010 2011 where you had a week break, you had Australia then a week in Malaysia to Malaysia. And then it was a three-week break, and then you had China and Bahrain mm. in it within a week. So they had another three-week break, or they'd have the, or they'd have three races like two weeks, and then a three-week break before starting the European season. But now you don't even get that now. Yeah, no, it's literally all bunched together. And of course, as I said, whilst we enjoy watching, I mean, look, t- right today was a bit disappointing because we didn't get a race and. You know, the positive of the F1 calendar is that we've got a race to look forward to next weekend. It's not like we have long to wait. Um, You know, we'll wake up tomorrow morning and go, oh, it's race week once again. And all the, you know, the hype and build up and everything else. And of course, our preview podcast will obviously be working on that in the week. Um, That, that you know, that will follow suit. But, you know, these, these men and women are human beings. And of course, you know, the equipment is not unlimited anymore. Of course, we're in a budget cap era as well, which makes things very, very difficult for a turnaround um and it it does raise the question that whilst we want to try and get this f1 world championship or at least liberty media want this f1 world championship mm. to uh be out there as to as many venues as it possibly can there has to be a limit on you know f- feasibility wise there has to be a limit on how many we can realistically do and i think an ideal number for me would be around 20 I like round numbers. I think 21's fine, but I think 20 is a good round number for me. And mm. you can cover a good portion of the world that's heavily invested in Formula One to appease the uh, the traditionalist fans or the nostalgic fans that like the European classic races that we see that uh, so few and far between are on the calendar these days because of newer circuits arising. But then, of course, making sure that it opens itself up to newer venues like we're seeing in Jeddah, uh, we're going to possibly be seeing a race in Qatar and maybe one in South Africa in the next few years. You know, venues like that that um, you wouldn't have imagined Formula One going back to in the modern era. And, you know, we're going to be seeing races there. So there's definitely a niche there. But I think 
what we saw today and obviously the challenges logistically moving from Belgium to Holland, which is probably one of the easy transitions that I mentioned already, it's uh, mm. it does create quite a lot of problems for these teams who, you know, anyone that's watching, think, yeah. I think the main problem, I, uh, I think the main thing is, is that, um, I think the main thing is that, and, that, and what I'm stemming from is Spa is a classic race. And every year, everyone wants to go to Spa. Remember how we missed Monaco. As much as it's a procession, we missed Monaco last season. Bad time, big time. Everyone missed it. It's the spectacle of it. Right? And it's the same as Spa. Like, if you miss a Grand Prix like Spa, like, because of wet weather, you miss it. And many times on the calendar, when they were trying to adjust the, the bus stop chicane all the time, that they'd have times where it was off the calendar. And you're like, where is it? You've got to have Spa. So... Some of these races like your Monza's, like your Spa's, like your Monaco's and these classic tracks that we all know and love, right? Yes, they're a dying breed, but you miss them desperately when they're not on the calendar. So for me, it, I think everyone's just at the minute, they're, they're just disappointed they didn't get, they're, they're disappointed they didn't get to see a race at Spa. And we all are, because we love Spa. We love the challenge of it. We love the view of it. We love the danger of it as well, but um that's what's what made spa spa but um uh i mean like that that only when you get to see like alonso's helmet can we like, like get to see what's great about spa and like the challenge of it but um i think i was just disappointed to see it would have been nice to see what alonso was seeing out of that helmet during the formation that by the way yeah, yeah, I, I did mention that on social media. I think that you yeah. know they were showing off helmet cam this weekend, which, by the way, it was absolutely fantastic. It really, really was. Mm. Um, you know, to get that kind of driver's eye perspective to a degree. Obviously, it's the not world the... cap doesn't quite do it, does it? No, it does rouge, when you're looking at yeah. it, it doesn't quite do it. When you see the helmet cam, it's like you can't see nothing. What's going on? Yeah, no, you're <laughs> you're right. It really doesn't do it justice until you see it. And we would have loved to have seen. Uh, a driver's eye perspective at least of what it would have been like today I imagine probably just it only fog- probably lasts about 10 seconds it would have been <laughs> possibly yeah yeah just just fog and water and everything else um the only driver you'd have had half a chance of getting something decent a viewpoint wise is uh, Max Verstappen who was at the very very front or perhaps Bert Mylander in the uh, safety yeah, car at the front, Mylander, who probably led more laps today than anybody else so but um usually he's at the back of the grid season yeah. probably had a result today yeah Mercedes <laughs> winning again they just can't help themselves would it have been funny for the podium they put him up on the podium as first place <laughs> I did see um someone actually do a mock-up of the podium uh, image that they on the F1 Twitter page obviously not that one someone attempted taking it yeah. and um I, I think it was the instagram page it might have been and someone did a mock-up where they had obviously bert mylander winning uh alan mandavera in the medical car coming second and then whoever was driving that tractor at puon and stavolo <laughs> one and two um come p3 um that would have been an interesting podium but look the, obviously let's talk about the race itself or at least yeah. what we can do um Obviously, there wasn't hardly any action at all. We literally got, I think, just in the last hour, they let the cars go out behind the safety car for two laps, which I felt was possibly going to happen because I think they did want points to be awarded in this race. They didn't want to void it or anything because of the situation they'd put themselves in. And it created a result which pretty much reflected qualifying with, of course, the exception of Sergio Perez, who made a big mistake at Lake Coms um, on the way to the grid and obviously crashing it into the wall. We'll talk about him momentarily. But um, 
Obviously, this does have ramifications for the championship now, of course, with Max Verstappen getting the win as a result of basically qualifying on pole position. Um, the only way you could really award it to him, he's been given points which has allowed him to close the gap on Lewis Hamilton in the Formula One Drivers' World Championship. And of course, Stephen, obviously, I know you're a big Lewis Hamilton fan. And, you know, we talked about this on your show the other day that, you know, Max has been very, very unfortunate last couple of races before the summer break and probably should be leaving this championship by quite some margin. Would you say today, if the result, of course, stands, and again, we'll get into that in a moment, could you say that perhaps this is a little bit of payback for Max Verstappen, not at Hamilton's expense, but at least some form of fortune has come his way, even if it's in the form of half points and allows him to close yeah. the deficit rather than overtake Lewis in the championship? I think it's a little bit of like, it's a little bit of one of those, like I've got some confidence back for like doing a good job in qualifying. And in the weekend, he, he's managed to get a bit of luck and he'll get some confidence from having some luck. And you need a very, any, in any championship hunt, you need some bit of luck uh, go along the way. And Hamilton's had his very good share of it. I'm not going to deny that. But um, uh, well, the only thing I don't like, and like, and like I said, I mentioned about the points position before, but what I don't like, um, is after the race, and th- this is happened the last few Grand Prix, uh, the last two Grand Prix now, where Hamilton, every time he goes to a press conference in front of the fans, he's getting booed. Well, if these if these can't if these guys can't understand what racing is all about, right? And if you get two title contenders, are not going to back down, and they they're going to make contact. That's the end of it, and you can't understand that. Don't turn up and watch it. Like if you're gonna sit there and he's driven his heart out and you're gonna boo at someone, right? I mean, we've already seen the disgusting messages he's had right, following that accident. And I've been like trying to defend that being a Hamilton fan, it's like it's it hurts it hurts me as well as probably him, but it's 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 it's, it's just like wrong on so many levels, and I just feel that like look, Verstappen's moved on, they've moved on, it's happened, it's done, it's finished, it's sorted. Leave it and just leave it alone now. So uh, yeah, I mean that's that's a fair point. Um, I can understand. I mean, I've, I can obviously understand it. It's horrible some of the stuff that was said to Lewis Hamilton. Um, you know, very very wrong on that count. Um. I suppose my question on the fan behaviour, if you like, is do you feel that uh, a lot of the fans, let's assume that they're the Dutch Red Bull fans that obviously are in their droves at this event. And this isn't me implying that they're being racist, it's not. My question no. is, is do you think that they were booing Lewis Hamilton because of what happened at Silverstone? Or yeah. do you think that they were booing Lewis Hamilton because he is Max's immediate rival and this is this kind of, and, and this is this kind of vibe and fan um atmosphere that the Max Verstappen Dutch fans if you like have been uh, injecting into Formula One not just recently but you know whilst Max has been at the forefront of the sport at the moment because and I don't want to you know say that some you know I don't want to deny some of the stuff that's going on because that'd be very very stupid to do and it's certainly happening and it's wrong on all levels but I don't want to portray the Max Verstappen no, fans no, booing no, Lewis no, because no, of no, no. because of the no, crash of Silverstone it's not, it's not, 
most most of them, I I just feel that it's it has been they've only started since the accident, right? Uh, so for me, it's it's only because of the accident. Now, right for me, burn on levels is just is it's just it's just not right. You just don't do it, right? So especially when they've they've put on a show for you guys and like. I mean, it doesn't bother Hamilton. He's got a unique way of making it, making him stronger from that. So, but like I said before, it, 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 I, I'm not pointing anyone out. As, like whatever that was said on social media, like that could be anyone. That's not that could be anyone. Anyone, anyone who just doesn't like Lewis. So, uh, and you get a fair people in this country that don't, that, that don't like Lewis. So it could be anyone all around the world. See, so it might not. Um, it, it's got nothing. It probably had nothing to do with like the Dutch fans myself. It it just be like anyone who totally disagrees with the acts of like the accident and who they think is to blame. And some of them still firmly believe that Hamilton's completely to blame in that. And there's even some people that I know that that do do their own YouTube stuff on F on F one and. They described the incident as him trying to kill Verstappen, for God's sake. And I mean, it's just that so many things have just been blown completely out of proportion from it. And I think they just need to just accept that both drivers have now dealt with it and they've moved on from that. Yes, they are rivals, but they just deserve the same respect as anyone else. I mean, I don't ever see when I didn't see what after the sprint race the British fans booing the Stappen at all. So I just feel that this just needs to be the same respect on both levels. Uh, and that could be, and like I said, it could be any one of those fans. It can't just be the Dutch fans. Like it could be any one of them. No, no, that's fine. I mean, I, I suppose the point I'm getting at is that I have heard fans, not just at this season, but other seasons where they've booed certain drivers, Lewis Hamilton, Sebastian Vettel in the past. And obviously mm. it's not necessarily just because of certain incidents or how they see certain things. It's sometimes they might not like that particular driver because they're a rival or in Seb's case, when he was dominating the world championship, he wasn't a very popular person back then. Uh, Nico Rosberg, of course, had his fair share. And even Michael Schumacher, to a degree, had some in the past as well. I mean, my, my point is, is that um, I, I think, yes, I completely agree that some of the Max Verstappen fans would have felt a bit angry about what happened at Silverstone. Um, and of course they may have gone to certain races mm -hmm. and chosen to express their discontent by booing Lewis Hamilton, which I'm not really a fan of in formula one. I don't think it's something that whilst I've seen it in other sports and you know, it's just a part of the atmosphere and in times I feel like sometimes you can consider that to be a part of it in formula one. Um, I feel like, Sometimes I feel like when it comes to Formula One and when certain drivers are talking in press conferences, I think someone perhaps, maybe we need Max Verstappen to just go out on when Lewis is having an interview on a podium and just say, look, guys, I know we're competing. I know we're rivals and I know you're cheering for me, but like, do us a favor. You don't need to boo Lewis. If you're not a fan of his, that's fine. But just don't, you know, don't bring that negativity to it because to be fair, you know, I think. I think to be fair to on Max's side is they've tried, when the media tried to stay up again, in Hungary, he committed it. Um, he completely shut them down. I said, "We both moved on. It's done. It's mm. finished. Leave it. Don't want to hear anything. 
Don't even, I, I'm not going to exactly say what he said because there's bad language in it. <laughs> but uh, uh, he's basically telling them to just shut up and stop talking about it because uh, they don't want to listen to it anymore. Uh, so I think, that, to be fair to Max, he's done his part in that. So it's, it's up to them with it. It's up to them, to be honest, if they continue or not. But it could just be anyone that just doesn't doesn't just doesn't like Hamilton. So yeah. So mm. and there are some people that don't like Hamilton because he's dominated for so long, right? And I get that. And people didn't like Schumacher because he dominated so long. Because people didn't like Vettel because he didn't like to dominate so long. Now all of a sudden Vettel's a really nice guy. So they just probably get bored with the fact that they know Hamilton's leading the championship and they probably realise that. This is the stage of the season where he starts pulling away. So they were just put that, that it could be the fact that they're scared that Hamilton's going to win the championship again. So it, it could be a number of reasons, but it does seem to stem from that incident. But the drivers moved on about it. And the thing is, is that I know Hamilton doesn't even take that on board. And if he does, he turns it into a positive and proves them all wrong and beats them uh, by beats them by beating them on the track so and it's the best way to do it um yeah well lewis is certainly a character that prefers to do his talking on the track and uh, as we've seen in f1 history he's very very good at that um let's move on to obviously some other talking about as i said guys look this isn't much of a race that we can talk about we're aware of that um, <laughs> and you know there are fun, some things that we can talk about on this guys so you know feel free to weigh in if there's other things that we miss out um the reason why i did want to bring up uh the actual race result itself Stephen, is because there's still a mm. lot of talk on social media as we speak over the legitimacy of the classification because they only did two completed laps and or three completed laps if you like and when the red flag comes out usually you end up with a count back where they go with a result that was two laps old now or two laps ago now if they do that that takes you back to lap one or one completed lap which means that if they go by that result as the classified result instead of the one we have at the moment that could mean that they failed to complete the minimum number of laps which of two laps which means that they won't be able to award points it's currently being talked about at the moment and i'm wondering if this because some of the press uh, i think chris medland f1 journalist i think that's fair because they haven't gone out and done anything well, no, this, this is, is it, yeah. And before you say it, if a Hamilton won the race, I'd still be saying the same thing. No, 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 no. Obviously, I'm not, I'm, I know you're a Hamilton fan, but obviously I'm, I'm not saying this for the benefit of this makes Hamilton's life easier in the championship. I, yeah. I mean, the point I'm making is that, technically speaking, obviously if they were trying to do two completed laps just to get half points, by mm. bringing out the red flag when they did they may on countback not be able to claim that result from that lap because traditionally speaking, when a race is stopped because of a red flag and doesn't continue, the result that they classify is two laps previous to avoid any strange last-minute situations or stuff like that. Like we had in, I think it was Brazil back in 2003, I think it was, when Kimi Raikkonen passed Fizzy Keller and the red flag come mm. out and the result on countback meant that Fisichella ended up winning the Grand Prix afterwards, yeah. but it wasn't until after the race, after the podium, that they didn't realise that. So obviously Fisichella didn't get to celebrate that win for the Jordan. I think it was the last time Jordan won a race in Formula One. But um, many, many years it had ago... A fiery, it had a fiery end as well. It did, yeah. <laughs> um, the most notably, the crashes for Mark Webb and the Jag and Fernando Alonso in the Renault as well, if I remember right. I was rightly. talking for Fisichella, that was... <laughs> yes, yeah, of course. Um, because that was the big sticking point. Obviously, that's why we had the... Uh, red flags that followed afterwards but um 
Yeah, it was so, you know, really, really strange stuff. So that's why I say it, because I don't want to tempt fate here, because obviously there's one particular reason why we can actually be very, very happy about today's result. And I'm really worried that, sure. if, yeah. yes, and I'm going to get to that. I'm really worried that if this happens and the result becomes null and void, it will be such cruel fate. But we're going to, we're going to carry on as if the rate, uh, the result does stand. And that's, of course, as you mentioned, Stephen, George Russell, P2, of course, by virtue of the incredible job he did in qualifying, Mr. Saturday has finally got an F1 podium, hopefully. Um, I mean, <laughs> as I said already, Stephen, um, in a way, it's not the way that he would have wanted to do it. No. Um, he had that very near miss in Sakir when he should have won in the Mercedes if it wasn't for the issues that befalled him there. He's had near misses for points finishes for Williams last season. Of course, he managed to do that at the first time officially in the last race at Hungary. And today, of course, after an incredible qualifying performance, I mean, I, I don't think me, I don't think you'd so, want to take that trophy I mean, away from George, would you? No, no, I wouldn't. But I, I feel for me. Um, uh, but the, 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 I mean. The, if there's if if there is any reason the results should stand is for Russell, uh, for for sure. Um, and I remember watching the qualifying, and when he went fast in the first set, I remember saying, "Nah, that's not possible. You can't do that. You can't do that." You know, he went past the second set, and I'm like, "Then I'm starting cheering Hamilton and Russell at the same time." I'm like, "Hang on, I want Hamilton to win." Whoa, 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 whoa. and this is so. Um, yeah, the, 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 the guy has done an incredible job. He's done an incredible job ever since he's been in a Williams. Uh, if that doesn't tell Toto or if he should be in a Mercedes, um, then I don't know what will. Uh, before anyone says it, no, there isn't any conspiracy that Hamilton wants, like doesn't want him in there because of competition or anything like that. It's just like they want to make sure they have the driver ready and ready to fire on all cylinders and... I think he is, to be honest, he's out doing what Bottas can do in a Mercedes right now. The only thing that Bottas can do right now is uh, either A, stop Max Verstappen winning races by winning races himself, right, or support his teammate the best way he can. And when he's 13 or 14 in the grid, right, okay, he had a penalty, but still, when he's still dropping seat for seventh in the grid in the wet and he's not up there with, the, with Verstappen and Hamilton, which, he, to be fair, I might Perez has done most of the season. He he's going to get replaced, and as much as he hates set, and I do think it's going to be a direct swap. I think Bottas will go straight back to Williams. Yeah, I mean, it kind of got ahead of me on my next question, actually. But um, I mean, just going back briefly to the controversy over to whether this race result is actually going to stand. Um, I mean, it kind of just sums up how crazy a day this was, and. The FIA and the stewards, they've come under a lot of controversy and a lot of scrutiny throughout the year for so many different reasons. It's not been easy for them, and I think there's a lot more transparency that we're seeing now owing to the uh, broadcasting graphics on the radio between the teams and the FIA, which was never normally uh, broadcasted to the general public. But now we're seeing this on a regular basis, especially on a day like today. And I think Ultimately, what we're seeing here is that there was a lot of difficult situations and no matter how you look at it, it's very, very hard at the moment for the stewards and the FIA to come out of this looking uh, good rather than looking like half the time they were making this stuff as they go along. They don't look look good in any situation uh, from this because they didn't get Grand Prix started. Simple as that. Um, 
I feel they just have to be transparent and say, yeah, okay, we made a mistake, we couldn't get this done, where it could have been done earlier in the day because the, the rain was less frequent back then. Uh, maybe they should have known that there was a storm coming, they could have died then, and obviously. But, um, yeah, um, I feel that in this case, is that he could have... Um, They, they, they could have been just, I think, just transparent, just transparent in the way they just go, okay, all right, we haven't got this right, exactly right, but we're doing this, we're having to do, we've done these two laps, but we've got to stop the race because it's just not safe. And if we saw what happened to Norris in a rouge in qualifying, which was a nasty impact, uh, and imagine that at the start of the race, because of aquaplaning. Uh, and we saw it in the EFW Championship as well um, uh, this weekend. But if you imagine that, and then it, say if that's Max Verstappen is aquaplaned off the road as the leader, and then he's got 19 cars who've just made it through coming at him in the middle of the road, you get what happened in 2019. Mm. And that's the last thing we need. Yeah, um, that, that's something I did put out on Twitter over the weekend after I saw that crash with Lando Norris. I I wasn't happy uh, like a lot of people weren't um, owing to the risk that was being taken. It did it's seem very dangerous. Fuming. I think, and, and this is something I do want to actually raise. Since I'm glad you brought this up because obviously we can talk about the changes that the circuit needs to make and I think the circuit are already planning to make changes. I think this was something that they were going to sign off. Any, they'd already signed off to do for 2022, where I think they were going to introduce gravel traps on the outside of uh, O'Rouge and Radion, uh, move the barriers a bit further back and build a new stand. So quite a big project going on, but I think hopefully they reckon it's going to be ready for next season. So the works are already underway for that. Obviously, they just needed this race to be done and then they're going to work on it. But one thing I did want to ask you, Stephen, is do you think that in situations like that, the drivers should be listen to a lot more than they actually are or perhaps they need to be considered the reference point in terms of how what the stewards do i mean as much as you want the medical car and the formation car to go around the track but that's 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 a mercedes w series right that's used to driving on the roads so it's used to driving in monsoon conditions right f1 cars aren't designed to do it they race you at what point as a road car you're literally literally on the floor and if it fills up with water you go skirting off the road mm. you don't right and you do 50 to set like 80 mile an hour probably 70 mile an hour tops on the roads right as the speed limit right? i won't say 80 just in case you get any <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um uh, but yeah um so they need to be the reference point and this is what how many times have we had like drivers come on and say red flag, red flag, red flag it, and then an accident happens? And I'm like, what the hell? Right? George Bianchi, right? Everyone was screaming on the radio, it's getting heavier, we need to stop the race. And then Sutil and then Bianchi goes off. And we all know what happened next. Mm. So, yes, they need as much as we've got the virtual safety car now. We've got also the safety car that can illegally come on in situations where it's dangerous. 
you need to have drivers in a wet race situation as the reference point. So if they come out on the radio saying, if you've got both the championship contenders, Max Verstappen, who's leading the champ, leading the race and needs to gain points on these rival, if he's coming out and saying it's too wet, which is what he was saying, then clearly that must tell you he needs to stop the race because he needs to win the race. He needs the maximum points. He needs to close down the championship. Mm. But he's more worried about spinning off and getting having an accident or anyone else having an accident because he might have all the whip in his car. But if you look at Haas, they've got they could just about stay on the road in the dry. <laughs> right? Could you? I mean, it's massive spin. Right? Um, well, got, got the fastest lap today, didn't he? Well, yeah. That's, we won't say any more about that, shall we? Uh, and don't forget, we got the Alpha Terry of. It not it's not Sonoda, it's Spinoda. So uh, it's, so you've got a you've got to bear that in mind. They've got lesser cars with lesser downforce. Yeah, I mean it is a bit of a concern because obviously when I was watching qualifying, we'd obviously seen already what happened in the W series. Thankfully, all the women involved were okay. Obviously, after that was nice. It that wasn't. Was yeah, I, I for those of you that I haven't would, seen it, I wouldn't recommend watching it because it wasn't pleasant view. And all I can say is all the women involved were okay. Obviously, they had their checks and everything else, and they'll be back to race another day. Which is, I mean, I looked. I looked. Good. I just I, when I saw that and also saw like the nicest accident is mm. like. I watched like the 20 F- 2019 F2 race live uh, uh, in 2019. I watched that F2 race live and it was like a flashback to that. And I'm like, oh, for God's well, the, sake. Well, this and is it, it yeah. And the saving uh, grace was is that Norris in qualifying, you know, there was no one around him. I mean, Seb Vedder was the first person to get to him. And I think what's really frustrating as a fan, I can understand Vettel's frustration in what he said afterwards on the team radio um, in reaction to hearing it is that he literally called it about 15 20 seconds saying this is way too wet someone's going to have a big accident we need to stop this and then literally as he's going down the hill to approach uh O-Rouge and radion told on the radio and it's almost like you you could predict that and fans watching at home i was watching it thinking someone's going to have a big accident at, at the top of radion or something it could potentially be the first car there even martin brundle saw it just before it happened on the commentary and you're just thinking you know, the stewards and the people at the FIA, they're not idiots. You know, these are people that have a lot of racing. One of them's got a race. Once mm. One of them's got a racing former ex-world like champion or racing driver. Well, no, this there. Is it. Yeah, yeah, this is it. And I, I don't understand why people with such pedigree and experience are willing to take these risks when you've got access to all of the drivers on the team, rate on their radios, saying the same thing. Look, this is dangerous. We shouldn't be on the track. I mean... A lot of people that don't watch Formula 1 very often or don't understand Formula 1 to the degree that hardcore fans do, um, and with the greatest respect that, that I say this, will probably go on social media and say, oh, these men and women are meant to be the best drivers in the world. They should be able to handle this. You know, it's only a bit of water. You the don't. fact is, is that when the water falls on the track at a certain rate and there's a gap between the ground coverage and the tyres, filled by water you're basically aquaplaning what that means is is that you're there's no con- yeah there's no contact between the tire and the ground it's covered by water so effectively you're on a boat um and it doesn't matter if you are lewis hamilton or if it's you're one of those who tries to do in a boat yeah. in a corner it yeah, doesn't exactly work. exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah it doesn't matter if you're lewis hamilton or some 17 year old kid taking his first driving lesson it literally you're a passenger and at those speeds you can't 
afford to take risks because we've obviously seen firsthand in ideal racing conditions what can happen. The problem is, is that in the end, it's, it's, they need the show to run to like for the TV coverage, uh, the money to get for the TV deals. Because if they don't show a race, it's a disaster, right? Because they've all, the TV companies are paid to watch, to, to, to have the rights for this race. So if they don't get it and get it shown, it's a disaster in terms of financials, right? In the end, money does talk. It does talk. As much as we love to say that the FAF have done a brilliant job of trying to get F1 as safe as it possibly can, and it is, and they do make responses in the end. In the end, they will take these risks in the end because one, you sort of get, when you see so many accidents and you see drivers step out like noise and that, you sort of get sort of lazy in a sense, not completely on it and staying 100% um aware and at times when you do that is then when you have the biggest accidents happen out of nowhere and i feel that's that's what i mean it's like that's what happened with jules bianchi in the end i think they got too lazy and trying to shut get this race done in a certain amount of time that that's what happened in the end and it was again it was about trying to get that race done and trying to get it run so it was in the end, they get lazy and think more about getting a race done for the financial side of it. Mm. Because, because in the end, that covers the prize money that these teams get as well. So in the end, like I said, money talks. And when you see the amount of accidents that people just walk away from, you get lazy and start thinking more about the financial side of the F1. And is it worth, was it if, is it affordable to be able to take these risks um, and get away with it? Well, knowing how safe it is. Yeah. Then sometimes bank on the safety a little bit too much. Perhaps. I mean, the straight answer to all of that is that safety at no point should be compromised for the benefit of Mm. a viewing audience or a broadcast because. But the problem um, is, is know, that then if we don't get a Grand Prix, we're all sitting here like, why the hell we ain't got a Grand Prix? Well, I mean, the truth is, is that we had a race today, Stephen, that we didn't mm. think was going to go ahead and probably shouldn't have gone ahead and they should have perhaps made provisions for other things or perhaps cancelled the race altogether. And I think a lot of people, as you can see on social media, following the race are complaining about Do the you fact think they that... they could have rescheduled it? I, I don't know if they could have rescheduled it. Um, the, but. I don't know. As I said, uh, um, it, it's been very, very difficult this year owing to stuff with COVID, etc. The likelihood is it probably would have just cancelled it altogether, avoided it, which of course is a frustration to the fans that have turned up and it is a bit of a pain for us watching. But the reality is, is that most F1 fans or most motorsport fans, not just F1, you know, other series as well that we saw on the F1 paddock, there was an F3 crash as well, similar fashion um, this weekend. Uh, fortunately, mm. again, everyone was okay, but what you end up being putting yourself in a position is is that I think you have to accept that F1 fans or motorsport fans in general will accept that, yes, it's disappointing. I mean, we, we what we got today, um, a lot of the F1 fans was having fun on social media. I mean, I was using the DNF1 page and tweeting stuff out and having a laugh and having a joke and engaging with so many different people. And do you know what? That was a fun way to pass the time. But we're all doing that sitting there knowing that there's likely not going to be any racing at all or we're going to end up with what we ended up with, and that was like two laps just for the sake of 
uh, awarding points. Now we're in a situation where that may be overturned completely because of a mistake that the stewards have made with their own rule book. So, you know, I, I just think when it comes to safety, um, and you've mentioned this a lot of times on your own show, when I've been on there, you've always been the first person to talk about safety being paramount. And I completely agree. And I think we need to have this discussion not us personally, but I think F1 needs to have this discussion with anyone who's influencing decisions in terms of broadcasting or TV if they're trying to get drivers to drive, not necessarily against their will, but perhaps taking more risks than are necessary in that, you know, there is a discussion that needs to take place. Do you place. feel that drivers should have more power to say that if, yes. they don't feel, if they don't feel that they feel that the conditions are safe after doing a formation lap? They could just get out the car. I, well, I, don't, I don't know about I don't know about that so much because um, it's quite complex in terms of legal stuff, etc., etc. Look, like I said, I don't think drivers should be forced to drive against their will when there's an element of danger like that. And we've seen sometimes drivers um, pull out of races or do stuff. I mean, what happened in Bahrain last year? Yeah, louder, of course, in Japan in '76. Um, we saw, of course, um, last season at Bahrain after Grosjean's crash, there were a lot of drivers, they didn't want to carry on, but United as they were, they decided, no, we're going to do a race and we'll be fine. These F1 drivers and, and the W Series drivers and Formula 3 drivers, all of them are incredibly brave young men and women who will, if they, if people are going to go out and race, regardless of the conditions, they will most likely follow suit. And that's what we saw in qualifying yesterday. This is, this is the thing that when it comes to racing, they they if it's like when you say if you've got two cars here, right? One's two seconds slow than the other, but that one's completely safe, right? The other one is two seconds fast. It's very fast, but you probably get killed in it if you crash it. They'll all jump in the fast one. Well. Because they, they, they all jump, they all want to, they all want to go, they all want to, want to be the quickest, they all want to win. Mm. But no, so, they, yeah, so it's it's kind of like that's why in the in the end it was taken out of their hands and FIA, yeah, it was that it was from responsibility to the FIA because literally the FIA used to just go, well, um, if you think it's dangerous, well, don't drive in, and just. just and we'll get someone else and now it's like they've thrown it to the FIA so it's like it's down the FIA's responsibility to make the sport safe which is what they've done but then again the the drivers should have a firm say in saying if this is too dangerous for us we just should not race end of I think they should be listened to in terms of being able to live report to them the state of the conditions so that they can make their own judgment calls based on that I don't know if I agree with the F1 drivers having to make a decision all the time for them. I do think the FIA is their responsibility to ensure that racing is safe for everyone involved. The reality is, Stephen, what we saw ye- uh, excuse me, what we saw yesterday was that there were drivers that went out, even though everyone expressed their concerns about the safety, there were drivers that went out because the FIA said, no, you can carry on, it's fine, we're, we're, you know, we're not red flagging it yet. So they'll go out and do a set time. But they kind of knew that something was going to happen to someone or someone was going to make a mistake and have an incident and that bring out the red flag. And of course, as we saw, the first person... Oyu Rouge and Radion had an accident and then they brought out the red flag. So, I mean, for me, as I was saying earlier, I think a discussion needs to be had between F1 and those that obviously make these decisions, etc., etc., whoever it is that's influencing stuff. And just the F1 community in general needs to have this open discussion, not people on their platforms that have bigger platforms than others trying to not necessarily demonise, but make people that have contrasting opinions to them on this matter look stupid. I don't think that's fair and I don't think that's right at all. You know, we all want F1 
to be safe but at the same time as safe as it can be but we all have to accept that there is always going to be an element of risk associated with formula one what is key whilst that is also a legitimate argument it must be said what is key though is that we need to establish that we it is possible to make f1 as safe as it possibly can be and not force the drivers to put themselves into a position where they're taking unnecessary risks what we saw with yeah. lando norris yesterday uh, was an unnecessary risk. Of course, the W Series and the F3 crash was a bit dangerous and risky, but of course, that right, was stuff that we could be w, controlled. The W Series was like the rain started coming down mm. um, at that point and that particular part of the circuit. And you can't help that spa. One part could be bone dry, one part could be completely soaked. So you can't help that in a sense. Um, and it's like, like you just said, it's this, it's, I feel that. These the drivers that know themselves that like when they sign up to become an F1 driver, right? It's like it's like when you sign up to come, uh, like so, I hate to use the term, but it's like sometimes it's like when you sign up to join the army, you know, that sometimes that you are going to get if you if if it goes wrong, you could get gravely injured or killed because motorsport is a dangerous sport. And in the end, it's always the freak accidents, like a Grosjean accident, um, or Antoine Ubers or George Yankees that can end up killing someone. Mm. And so as much as we need to like accept that that is part of the sport and it's always going to be there, in that case, we must make sure we're not doing anything that is like you said, unnecessary and puts us in, that could put us in that situation. Yeah, it's an interesting comparison. Um, I, 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 for one, certainly. Oh, no, I mean, no, I'm, 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 I'm just saying that comparison. It's just like, I couldn't think of anything else to sort of <laughs> I, I know, what, I know what you mean. There's like, obviously maybe a like a boxing fight, like, like, you, you know you're going to get injured if you sign up to be a boxer or something. Oh, unless like, you're Floyd Mayweather, yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I know what you mean. Obviously, there, there is a risk involved uh, something like signing up for the armed forces. Of course, it would be nice for them to get paid anywhere near as much as what Formula 1 drivers oh, do. Oh, yeah, I'm just a lot more than Yeah, I'm just saying. But yeah. um, no, you're right, though, because th- there is definitely a risk involved. As I said, look, I... I I bring this up because I'm not trying to target anyone in particular, people on bigger platforms. But one thing I have seen is whilst I agree with their opinion on the matter of safety and that um, F1 needs to be made as safe as we possibly can make it whilst accepting there is always going to be a risk attached with it because it's a dangerous sport. I don't think that some people should be seeing people that have the alternate opinion, which is, well, F1 is risky anyway. We, you know, we can't make it too safe. You know, there's always stuff like that to demonize these people as if they're idiots because that's not the right approach you're never going to achieve anything by doing stuff like that or trying to score points by saying oh they're an idiot look at them let's all laugh at them like i think we have to accept there's always going to be a risk associated with motorsport um always has been always will be Mm. but certain incidents like what we saw with the w series of course we can mitigate that by making the changes that apparently they're proposing to make in spa which is a good thing um and hopefully we'll see those very soon and those will deliver the desired results but I want situ- to yeah, sorry, I was so just going to finish. But the Go situation on. that we saw sorry. in qualifying with Lando Norris, that it being way too wet, 
clearly pointed out by so many drivers and Lando being Lando, like the other drivers would have done behind him. They took that risk because these guys have got balls of steel. They're just ridiculously brave um, and perhaps a little bit stupid. Probably you have to be to be a Formula One driver of that talent. Um, you know, for that to happen and take that unnecessary risk, as I said, we've seen what can possibly happen when it goes horribly wrong. And there are certain factors with Lando's incident that, was lucky in the fact that one, it was qualifying. Two, there was no one absolutely near him. Three, um, safety is improving all the time and these F1 cars are handling things better than they have done. Those alone should not be enough to justify taking those unnecessary risks. So for me, I just feel like discussions need to be made and say, look, guys, I think we really need to put, be more proactive listen to the drivers, get their input, because these guys have got the best reference point. They're the ones feeding us this information. And if we're not acting on that and something happens, then you start having serious problems. Um, fortunately, Lando was okay, other than a bit of a bruised ego and everything else, and he was ready to get in the car today. But maybe the next person's not so lucky. So I think, you know, they have to make yeah. these decisions and start doing them sooner rather than taking unnecessary risks. Do you think Spa's... That's a good question. And I think this was another one that was brought up as a topic of debate. I love that corner complex. And I think when you talk about Spa, it you have to talk about Aruj and Radion. Personally, I don't think you need to change the corner to achieve the results we want in terms of making it safer. But stuff like introducing a gravel trap on the outside so drivers don't try to get greedy on track limits, which tends to cause more accidents than not. Moving the barrier back, make them safer. I think with, um, sorry, the yeah. accident, it was the bumps in the middle of the corner that mm. pulled that unsettled the car. Now, what? Now, to be honest, why are those bumps, it, knowing how dangerous dangerous Rouge can be, why the hell are you having bumps in the middle of the corner? I would have probably made sure that that was completely smoothed out to eliminate any sort of risks uh, of that. That that would have been probably my first is relay the surface of that to make sure that it's, that it's smooth as it can be, uh, rather than having bumps that could unsettle the car like it did. Um, and I mean, now obviously it's easy flat, um in most most def1 cars now even with full fuel mm. so it's it's yeah so for me this i think for the for, in terms of the actual surface itself i think it needs to be smoothed out um to to eliminate any risks of the cars being unsettled because of unnecessary bumps being caught wrong um, yeah no i know what you mean um i agree with that to, to some level i think there's stuff that you can do i think what's important i think that a lot of people have mentioned when they brought this up is that you don't necessarily need to change the corner. It's a dangerous mm. corner. It's very thrilling. If anyone's ever been up here and, you know, walked up here, let alone drive it. Um, and it is a sight to see for F1 cars to go up there at top speed. These, you know, it really is. But I don't think you necessarily have to change the corner to make it a lot, a lot safer. I think what the proposed changes are, said so with the gravel, moving the barriers back, et cetera, et cetera, um, Jack Aitken pointed this out and he was involved in that crash a couple of years ago in F2 that if you move the barrier back a lot further and increase the runoff area you will make it a lot lot safer I'm hoping that they introduce that soon and that actually had the desired effect rather than what we've seen in the past because it does feel like we're really much dancing with danger on this one and I feel like something has to change and as I said I don't think you need to change the corner to achieve that so we'll have to wait and see what they do on that one but um 
before we wrap this up, Stephen, just uh, one last thing I did want to ask about. Um, obviously, now that we've had this Grand Prix, we're still going to have to wait and see what happens in the coming days over the result, whether it's actually going to stand <laughs> or not, because it seems by the looks of it, um, this one is certainly not over. But move that aside. Let's assume that it stays as it is. Oh, they hardly got started. Well, this is it, yeah. <laughs> um, three points now between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton going into the... Dutch Grand Prix at Zandvoort. Um, uh, obviously, we expected Belgium to be a bit of an equaliser for Mercedes in this regard, perhaps a track where they might be able to get a result. Um, how do you see that going down um, at Zandvoort? Are you expecting uh, a very, well, not hostile, but a very much a partisan crowd for Max to really fire him up? Be, I think it's definitely a bit of a hostile crowd now. Well, if you're Lewis Hamilton, it might be, because a lot of Dutch fans, um, I, I'm hoping they'll be nicer. If they're in a much bigger bunch, there might be less of the ones that boo him. But I think if, you know, by, uh, what would like, like you said earlier before with Max Verstappen, I think, I think it'd be nice to see is if they do go there, if Max Verstappen just like uh, come, like if he does hear anything, just like comes out and said, no, 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 leave it, leave it. Like we're rivals, with, with like he deserves respect. Um, and that should just deter it. Obviously, it's the Grand Prix that I've been, you can tell the FIA have been bursting to get this race on the scene since uh, Max Verstappen's arrival in F1. And uh, obviously, because like, I mean, like the, the, the first race that didn't happen, but he was supposed to have about a million t- tickets sold. So, of course, you'd want to get that race done. So, yeah, it'd be interesting. Uh, whether it'll be rain, I don't know. Um, I've never seen Sanford. I've never seen it actually for myself live, so I don't know what the weather could be like. But it's nice that we're going back to an old circuit. Mm. Um, and I like the look of the track. Uh, I've driven it on the game. It's itself. Uh, it's not like real life, but it's as close as you can get. But uh, it's not easy. It's not easy. Uh, it's quite thrilling. Some of the corners, uh, half of it, uh, some very fast sweeping corners, and in uh, quite in like uh, tough braking zones in that as well. So uh, it's a circuit I could see Alton doing well at. Um, but he does so well on some of these circuits, let's be honest. Um, yeah, there's not many places he hasn't done well at. I mean, no, I was going to no. sort of go in and ask you, I mean, obviously, you know, despite what happened at Hungary and Silverstone, overall the momentum is, you know, Red Bull obviously will be feeling good. I mean, today was a bit of a moot point anyway. If anything, Max, by virtue of his qualifying performance, has managed to get himself five points without having to do much after that. Um, so I suppose there is some credibility in the result for him. But obviously going into that race, as I said, partisan crowd very much going to be in favour of Max Verstappen and Red Bull in particular. Mercedes are going to be very much up against it this next weekend. But... How confident are you feeling about Lewis Hamilton? Do you think that he can, as he's often done in the past, remember Monza 2018 when he turned the Tifosi on their head with yeah. the performance he put in there? Can he put together a similar performance at Zandvoort? I have, I have always faith in Lewis to do so, as much as when I remember that 2018 race, Ferrari was so much, I think they, were, they had about three, four, maybe five tenths on the Mercedes even in a straight line as well. So I was like, no, this this championship could be slipping. Um but he turned that on his head with just just 
relentless drive and it's not going to be easy to overtake there there's about one opportunity i'd say to overtake um especially in these cars so turn so, one uh, yeah it'd be turn one uh and so for me if he gets pole then it's so it's open for him it also then depends like how the strategy goes because like I do feel it's a circuit they can gain a lot under the under on the undercut. So with a fresher tire around the twisty circuit, with around the twisty part of the circuit. So yeah, it, it's going to be a very strategic race rather than just the one where it can pass. But I do feel that if you, if anyone could pull out a combine performance that could put him on the pole for the Grand Prix and put him in pole position, right and making favourite to win the race, then it is Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. I mean, it's going to be really exciting. I'm looking forward to, I'm really looking forward to qualifying. I think that's where we're going to see the most excitement. But of course, who knows, you know, what could happen in the race. Hopefully we get a race next week um, and we can try and banish this one to the memory banks. <laughs> Lord only knows what drive to survive are going to make of this race. Um, they were following Mercedes around. Probably that fella that was in the go-kart earlier, um, excuse me, um, earlier in the go-kart that uh, was beached it yesterday in qualifying. We'd probably say <laughs> he won the race after everything that's been going on. But um I just want to say to everyone, obviously, you know, today was a very, very strange day that obviously, you know, stuff that I was doing on Twitter and social media uh, for the DNF1 page, all of you that interacted and engaged with that, really, really appreciate that because I think, I think we don't often talk about how great the F1 community can be sometimes. And I think on a day like today, when we basically sat for three hours with nothing to do but entertain ourselves, we all kind of bounded together on social media to make fun, put memes up, talk about F1, chat with each other and engage with each other. And it just shows... I mean, that's, I think it'd be nice to try and sort of, I mean, obviously with what I'm trying to do on my channel as well is that trying to get into engaged with that community as well is something I'm, been desperately trying to trying to crack so um yeah um hopefully like for the next one we'll try and see if we can do that during a watch along uh at some point because obviously once you're in the watch along it's it's, it's it's hard not to take your uh, eyes away from the action but um it'd be nice to to, to, to try and get on that 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 community on social media because and it's something that, that I feel that we could, uh, like, I really want to break into because, yeah, it's, it's, I do, I do see some, I saw some of the tweets that they were putting out, and, um, yeah, it was, it was quite fun to be honest with three hours to go. It was just, I think me and like my co hosts were just doing quizzes at the end of it, at the end of it, so weren't many people watching this put it that way but it's kind <laughs> of past the time yeah no absolutely yeah you know you're right uh, sorry i'm just looking on social media i'm just seeing that they've put a provisional race result again like the final classification it looks like they're awarding points but it's going to be based off a one lap race so it's like, basically as we were just ah, uh, it's an absolute mess at this point to be honest i mean what happens if a team protests it i mean could you imagine mercedes protesting the result um, at the points being awarded because obviously to help their cause and Hamilton's cause, but at the result of ruining George Russell's first podium, I mean, that would be controversial, but um, <laughs> imagine that. But uh, the point where they offer him the seat, if they do offer him the seat, and he says no, although... All, talking, I, guess, yeah. all I can say is Christian Horner would do exactly the same thing. So well, I mean, Christian would, but would he do it? To, I mean, 
it's a bit uh, probably a different situation with Alpha Tauri compared to Georgia. It's as I said, very very strange circumstances we've seen today. I mean, we've kind of seen it all almost, except for an actual F one race, pretty much. But, yeah, uh, we've F- seen everything possible without an actual race. Yeah, <laughs> it's we've amazing. seen a crash. We've seen mm. safety cars. We've seen formation laps. We've seen. Seb, stops Seb and Mick playing football together in the Haas garage. We saw uh, Alpine mechanics yeah. dancing with each other. We saw Daniel Ricciardo doing, getting everyone to do a Mexican wave in the grandstands. We saw Marshalls playing. I don't know what they were playing. They were throwing balls into a gravel trap. What a game that was. Yeah, we pretty much... Tom. Oh, is that what it's called? Oh, right, right. Fair enough. It was a bit weird when I saw it. I was like, I don't know what they're doing. Like, who can throw the... Is it like yeah, silver metal? Yeah. Um, I mean, it looked like it was like, who oh. can throw the furthers? And I thought, that's rubbish. I could throw further than that. Like, but apparently nah, that's what they were nah, doing. what it is. It's, it's, you know, like bowls. Yeah, yeah. Instead of bowling it, you... Oh, uh, right, right. I'm with you now. Right, I've bench baton. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, it looked like they were having a good time. But uh, yeah, as I said, everyone is sort of banding together to keep us all entertained. It was really, really fun. It just shows how great the F1 community can be sometimes. So for everyone that was involved with us, you know, really appreciate that. But look, Stephen, we're going to wrap this up now because, of course, we've pretty much yeah. talked people's ears off about a race that never really happened. But before we do go, where can our followers find you on social media and your channel? Uh, you can find me on um, obviously SVT TV, um, where we do uh, F1, Ars- uh, um, Arsenal, unfortunately, uh, football content as well, because that keeps me sane for the football uh, at least. Um, yes, yeah, so we do all of that as well as F1, um, and obviously we'll be doing we do previews for the Grand Prix. Uh, we do a weekend review. Unfortunately, it won't be one for this one because we just didn't. I just didn't see the 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 the, the need for uh, the point for it. Cause there was not much to talk about other, uh, uh, other than what we talked about. So, um, a lot of the viewers that I have really want to understand what we were talking about today. So, uh, um, yeah. So, yeah. Like I said, we do previews, we do reviews, we do race watch alongs, qualifying watch alongs. And uh, it's all in name for Children's Liver Disease Foundation, which all the money we make from now we're a monetized channel is uh, that money goes towards Children's Liver Disease uh, Foundation or uh, for what we make. So, yeah, just by viewing us, it does help uh, raise money. You can join a membership from as little as one ninety nine, where we've got amazing perks to, to go with that. And, yeah, and... Just uh, hopefully trying to build a nice F1 community uh, along with that because we're only about seven away from 1.1k now. So, yeah, doing uh, really, really well. I know, just trying to. <laughs> it's so I'm trying to break that 1.1 barrier for a while, so I'm trying to break it. So. Yeah, no, that sounds fantastic. And of course, as you said, Stephen, for a very, very worthy cause, of course, you yourself very very much hold close to your heart um as well and uh, so guys of course as i said already if you're interested get uh, sorry go check steven's channel out i should say and uh, make sure to subscribe to his channel and really help him out it's really worthy calls and some good stuff on there as well as always guys it's been a very very strange day for us f1 fans uh, not much of a race to talk about but i like to think that we've made a, a good go having some stuff that we could have talked about based on today and some other stuff as well relating to what we've seen. Um, but of course, if you have enjoyed it, make sure to give the video a like and consider subscri- uh, subscribing, I should say. God, I'm twisting my words. Consider subscribing, I should say, to the DNF1 channel on YouTube. And of course, if you are following us on your favourite podcasting platforms, please do make sure 
to give us a follow and give us a good review if you have the option to do so we would really appreciate it but until next time guys we are going to be returning for the dutch grand prix preview but until next time as i said already stay safe thanks for tuning in and we'll see you in the next episode of the dnf1 f1 podcast take care Podcast Network.